So anyway, take your Bible. We want to get into the Word today. And uh, again, I, I want to finish where I finished at 9 o'clock, which wasn't too far down the road from where we finished last Sunday, but it's all good. Those of you at home, God bless you. Thank you for being with us on live stream. Uh, by the way, if you want to uh, send an offering, you could send it in the mail, 966 Main Street. You could contribute on our website, uh, newlifechristianag.com, or you could drop it off during the week. We'll be here to receive it. Anyway, 1 John 5, I've entitled the message today, same as last week, Can I Get a Witness? Can I Get a Witness? And uh, this will be part two. So let me start reading uh, at chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse number 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And God bless you. <laughs> and it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. And there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men... The witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So, Lord God, thank you for your word. And, Lord, we can't say it enough, but thank you for the freedom we have to access your word whenever we want to in this country. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, where we are in this passage. Thank you for those that made it out in the snow, little snowstorm this morning to come to church, those on live stream. Lord, may this message uh, penetrate hearts, and may your Holy Spirit take this time and speak to us, Lord, exactly the way you want to speak. Anoint me that I may proclaim your word the way you want. And Lord God, be glorified and magnified and, and uh, be, be praised as we get into your word today. Let your people be edified. And Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know you today, we pray that through this message, they will come to know you in a personal way. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, somebody say, can I get a witness? Amen. Well, Okay. Note again in verses uh, 6 through 13 how many times the word witness is said in this passage. Verse number 6, the witness of the Holy Spirit bearing witness to the Son. Verse number 7, the Trinity bearing witness to one another, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in heaven. Verse number 8, the, the, another Trinity, I call it, a, another Trinity of the Holy Spirit, the water and the blood on earth as a witness, as one. Uh, verse number 9, the witness of God is greater than the witness of people. Uh, verse number 10, uh, the witness that's in our own heart, in our own spirit. Verse number 11, the witness and testimony of God, that God has given us eternal life through his Son. And then the witness and the whole thing that, that we may know that we have eternal life and that we may continue to believe that Jesus Christ 
is the Son of God. So let's put on the screen uh, again the definition of what we mean by a witness. This is uh, Merriam-Webster definition. A witness is the attestation of a fact or event. It's one who has personal knowledge of something, or it's a testimony. And so I say, and I I hope that uh, as you have gone through last week, and I'm going to pray for this week also, in your heart, in your mind, you'll remember these words. Can I get a witness? I hope that it's, it's embedded in your being for a couple of weeks. Can I get a witness? And I hope that that will uh, motivate or propel someone to be able to give a, wet, a witness that you know without a doubt that Jesus Christ is alive, Jesus Christ is working in your life, and Jesus Christ is who he said he was, and that this testimony will just ring out through your lifestyle and your lifetime. A lot of times we hear the word testimony as, as someone is under oath in a court of law. They're under testimony to speak the truth. I hope that somebody could speak the truth and say to somebody, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus saved me. Jesus delivered me from whatever. And, and say that with conviction. So I want to I wanna, uh, continue uh, from last week, but we do want to highlight a couple of things as we get started. So uh, we got as far as verse 9, but uh, a little bit of 10. But I want to go back to verse number 6 again, just for a little bit, so that we can kind of get the understanding. But when we read verses 6 through 13, you have to go back to verses 4 and 5. Because verses 4 and 5 tell us we're overcomers. We've overcome because we believe in Jesus Christ. We have the victory. His victory has become our victory. And verses 6 through 13 really kind of explain or give the foundation of why verses 4 and 5 were written in the first place. It's not like uh, we have a victory because we believe. John said, wait a minute, let me tell you about the one that we believe in. And that's where all these different words of witnesses come into play. That John is saying, it's not just like a, a, a frivolous thing that we believe in. No, we believe in Jesus, the one and only Christ, and all these witnesses as to what he did was yes and amen. That's why we have the victory. And that's why we preach what we preach. That's why we live the way we do. We want to please the Lord who saved us and delivered us. So verse number six says, this is he, this is the one by which we have overcome the world system. We've overcome our sinful nature. We've overcome uh, the, the sin problem. We've overcome ourselves through him. And so now he clarifies who this Jesus is. So right away, this kind of eliminates a lot of false prophets or a lot of false messiahs out in the world from then until now. But he says in verse 6, this is the one, this is he who was baptized in water and and shed his blood on the cross. I'm paraphrasing. This is the one that submitted his will to the Father, was obedient in all things, and his self-denial has given given him the victory, and he has given us the victory. He says in Hebrews chapter 12, that uh, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despised the shame of the cross. But for the joy that he could see beyond the suffering, he got the victory. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. And because he has the victory, guess what? We have the victory. We have the victory. And then verse, uh, verse 6, the second part of that says, And the Holy Spirit bears witness to the Son. 
that this is yes and amen. The Holy Spirit always points people to Jesus, by the way. In verse number 7, we have the Trinity. There are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, the Word is the Son of God. The Word is Jesus, John 1, 1 and John 1, 14. And the Holy Spirit, these three are one. They bear witness that this is yes and amen. So when we go back to verses 4 and 5, and we're, we, we realize, okay, we have a victory. How do we have a victory? How are we overcomers? Well, we're standing on a great theology that this is witnessed in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're not just saved frivolously by something that happened. No, this is a, a grand plan that God had set into motion. Verse number 8 talks about, I call it another trinity, a different trinity on earth, the Holy Spirit, the water, and the blood. We talked about that, how the Holy Spirit is definitely at work on the earth today. That's how we got saved and through water baptism, and through the proclamation and remembrance of the blood of Jesus, we see God at work on earth today. And these three bear witness, and they agree as one. And so, uh, incidentally, the two ordinances of the church, in other words, two things that, that churches do, we baptize people, and we give communion. And we do this until Jesus comes back. But that, in, a, in conjunction with the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, there's a witness between those three events. That's why I said it last week. When there's a baptism or when there's a communion or we're preaching about the blood, there's a witness going on with the Holy Spirit, with the church, that this is yes and amen. And then we go to verse number nine and uh, we see here, if we, um, if we receive the witness of men, uh, the witness of God is greater. I know I talked about it last week, but I want to talk about it again. Jesus said in, in John chapter 5, he said, I don't receive the, the witness of men. I receive the witness of my Father, and my Father and I are one. And I want to encourage everyone to try to get to that place where really all we're concerned about is the witness that we have from God that we're okay. Because the witness from another person will only go so far. Now, I, I agree that we all want or need perhaps a pat on the back or a word of encouragement or, uh, you know, good job or whatever. We all need that. But, um, but, you know, we need to get to the point where that's all good, but it, it's greater to have the approval of the Father. And then you may ask, how do I get the approval of the Father? Well, I don't know if you've ever been down that road, but let me put it this way. Do you know when you have the disapproval of your Father? Hello? Nod your head or something. Do you know when you're not doing right? I do. It's Holy Ghost conviction. So when I get, when I get the approval of the Father, guess I know that too. I'd rather have that than the other. So I, wanna, I want us to get to that place where all that really matters is the approval of our Father. And the, the witness of the Father says things like this to our spirit. I'm forgiven. I'm clean. I'm saved, I'm ready, I'm empowered, I'm anointed, I'm gifted for good works. And the witness of the Father might also say, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't do that. Come back, get back in line. And in the witness of people, you know, it's good, but I, I hear these words in, for instance, James chapter 3 or Proverbs uh, chapter 18, where the tongue is like a double-edged edged sword that with the tongue, we, 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 we give life or we give death. 
I've had people give me praise and give me accolades for a while. And something happened somewhere, and now they don't even talk to me. People are fickle. Words are fleeting. They come and go. We can't base our life and our, our, where we are with God by what people say. We have to be concerned about what God says and what God thinks. And this is the main thing. People, you know, Proverbs 18 says, there's life and death in the power of the, Come on. You can kill somebody with your word. And I've been dead a few times by that. But I've also been given life by people too. But, you know, there's life and death. James says, in the tongue we bless God and curse people. And he says it ought not be that way. We shouldn't do that. It's like a, it's like a, the tongue is a fire, he said. It's like, it's like burning up. It's, 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 it's untamable in and of yourself. But this is the witness of God, that, that God is greater. God's witness is greater than any man's witness. That's why, like, when, when we, verse number nine, this is the witness, right? This is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. This is the witness, verse six, that the Holy Spirit and the Son are testifying together. This is the witness that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in unity. This is the witness that the Holy Spirit is working through the church and there's life and there's hope in water baptism and in communion. And so this is the witness. You ever hear someone say to you somewhere along the line, you should go to church. Anyone ever hear that before? And then you ever hear the, the response, well, I don't need to go to church. You know, but, but we need to be in church. Why do we need to be in church? We have the victory in verses 4 and 5. But the Lord is saying to us through the word, we're overcomers. We're, we're like victorious because God has done all this stuff for us. This Trinity is working, the Holy Spirit is working, and the, the church is working, and the church is where the life is. The Holy Spirit is working through the church where there's salvations and baptisms and communion and preaching and teaching about the blood of Jesus. And you know what? Let's stay there until we go to glory. That's the whole point of what God is, is saying to us today. And let me just talk about Gary Feldman again. Gary, you know what? Gary is my age. And uh, he's in glory right now. He graduated to the other side. He kept this faith. Life wasn't perfect. You know, life was challenging. But he kept his faith and he stayed plugged in to the church. Uh, what a testimony that is. I just want to think about that. Th- this whole thing is about being plugged in and surrounded by the witnesses around us. Not to mention Hebrews 12 says, Since we have a great cloud of witnesses from chapter 11 of Hebrews, let us continue and get uh, unsnared from the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us continue on with God, looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So, yeah, so verse number nine, this is the, this is the testimony uh, that, that Jesus has come in agreement with the Father and the Spirit. Jesus has come and it's proclaimed through his church. And then we go to verse number Number 10, and, and this is what really gets me, you know, because John's spending all this time about the witnessing that's going on. And, and then he says in verse number 10, I'll just paraphrase it. In addition to all of that, you have the spirit and the son. You have the father, son and the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the water. You have the blood. All this given testimony, giving witness that God is at work. God is doing something. In addition to all of that, in verse number 10, We have Holy Ghost witness within us. 
Romans 8, 16. Again, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's something in our heart that says yes and amen. We're good. We're with God. But I believe it's in the context of getting involved with what God is doing in heaven and on earth. You ever notice you, you do better, you, you function better, you think better, you know, when you're close to God and close to your church? You ever realize that? It's for real. God is working, and boy, I could preach on this for a while, but God is working through his church. His church is humongous, by the way. It's huge. And there's Christian people all over the world that God is working through his church to bring life and hope to people all over the world. All over the world. We would do well to tap into his church and be a part of the local branch as well as the larger branch. So verse number, number eight. Uh, he who believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself. I think I alluded to this last week. I want to read Ephesians 3, starting at verse number 14. Paul writes this to the Ephesians. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Could we just think about that? There's a family of God in heaven. They graduated. There's a family of God on earth. But we're all part of the same family. Okay. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of of God. So it's it's there, but he's praying, Lord God, I'm praying for these people that you would stir up what's in their heart. And so we need to be stirred up with what God has already put in our heart, that we would know uh, the riches of his glory, right? That we would be strengthened with might in our inner man. That we would be a strong Christian person when nobody's looking. Hello? That we would be conscious of the Holy Spirit regardless of where we are or whatever we're doing. Lord God, I pray that, that, that the church would be strengthened by your glory, by your riches. That the church would be enlightened to know what you're all about. It's in there. It's in their heart. But Lord, release it. That they would know, right? That they would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height. And to know the love of Christ which passes all understanding. And that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, if we lived in those verses, man, 98% of the problems that we have would be gone. That we would know the fullness of God working in our heart and in our spirit. Amen. So we need to activate that inner witness. Now, how do we activate that inner witness? Well, we pray for one another. But, you know, we, we, we get into the word of God. If you don't have a daily devotional life, I, I, I beseech you, get one. Get a devotional life. Whatever you can do or whatever time you have. But get a life where you, you read scripture and you meditate on the word and you pray 
even for a while, before, hopefully before you, you, you begin your day. But, but get into the word. Get into worship. I don't know about you today. I was worshiping God today up here. I mean, I always worship God. But I sense God in a different way today. And I would never want to be one that just conducts a song service. You know what I mean? Three songs and you're out. Stand up, sit down, and you're out. No, no. We worship God. The music, the singing is a platform that God uses to usher in his Holy Spirit. I could tell you things from the Old Testament. When, when, the, when the kings needed a word, they'd get, the, they'd get the prophets together. Give us a word. And the prophets would get the singers and the musicians together and have a worship time. In that atmosphere, the word of God came. I don't know about you. I need a word of God for, from God today for my life. And we prayed, you know, this morning, Lord God, as people come in, people get on the live stream, let, let people enter into worship so that they can get a word from God. Because you probably need a word from God. I mean, I'm giving you the word of God, but maybe you need something personal. But as you hear the word, as you worship God in that atmosphere of Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Come on, get this. In that atmosphere of the Holy Spirit working through the church, through salvations and water baptisms and communion and preaching and teaching about the blood of Christ. In that atmosphere, there's a witness that, ah, I'm with God. I'm with God. So activate that uh, inner witness. Prayer, uh, consecration, holiness, surrender to God, obedience, self-discipline. All these things are so important. But you know what? As much as we can activate this witness, we can also deactivate that witness. It's like my plants over there at the office. I talk about my plants, but Pam, remember your little geraniums, right? So they were ready for the, you know, they were ready for the, uh, the funeral, right? In November. They were ready. We're going to have a plant funeral. I said, no, no, no. Let me take them. Let me bring them into the office. And, and now, with a little water and a little sunshine, they're flourishing. They're activated. Now, if I neglect them, and I, I found out over the last month or so, I love plants. I do. I, I, I confess. I like plants. They remind me of me. They remind me of people. Little TLC goes a long way, let me tell you. And if I neglect them, the leaves turn brown and the soil gets hard. But when I put water on them, they, they smile at me. I'm telling you, they smile at me. They light up and they, they, they produce. So anyway, we could deactivate this inner witness by our own pride that says, I don't need that. Our own ego, you know, that says, ah, I don't care what that says. I don't care what the word of God says. Our own rebellion, our own unwillingness to yield to God, it will deactivate the witness in our heart. So I, I just want to encourage everyone. Where, 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 where am I? <laughs> Chapter 5, verse, verse, um, verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has a witness within himself. Um, I want to I encourage you, uh, protect, feed that witness within yourself. Okay, so verse number 10 continues. And, and here, here's John. I have to comment now on, on this, one of the sons of thunder. I mean, if you remember, in chapter 1, he called, called him out. He said, if you, don't, if you do this and do that, or you say this and that, you're a liar. 
I say, man, only a, only a guy that knows a little street lingo could say that and get away with it. But it's in the word of God. Now he's saying, if you reject what God, if you reject the witness of God, you're making God out to be a liar. Wow. That's a whole nother level of problem in my book. So if we reject God, if we reject what he, if we, for instance, wow, listen to this. If we say, I don't need to go to church, we're rejecting what the word of God says. When the Lord says, don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together. So you're making him a liar because we're saying it's not true when it is true. So if we say, oh, I don't need God like that. I don't need, need to be fanatical. When the word of God says you have to give your whole heart to him. And by doing it the other way, you're saying, no, that's not true. My way is better. Well, it's one thing to have that in the church, but it's another thing to have that in our families, with our friends or different people that we're concerned about. When people reject what we say, remember, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the word of God. They're rejecting God. But they're making God out to be a liar if they're saying, oh, that's not true. My way is better. I don't need all that stuff. When in reality, God says that you do need that stuff. So he's saying, you know what? You're making God out to be a liar. When in fact, God is true. God is true. So verse number 11 then, it says, uh, this is the testimony. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. So this is the testimony. This is it. That God has given us eternal life. Again, our brother Gary is with the Lord now. In a way, I'm jealous that he's with God. The struggle's over. The battle's over. We need to pray for Joanne and you know, his family and so forth, but he has his reward of eternal life. Jesus said in John 3, 16 and 17, I know that you know this, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. John 11, another favorite passage of mine. Lazarus had died, and before he was resurrected, Martha was upset and crying, and Jesus said to Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he should live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked this rhetorical question that echoes through the generations until today. Do you believe this? And this is our greatest challenge, as I said last week, to continue to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in him, we have eternal life. I've heard more messages lately by different uh, pastors that I listen to about how difficult it has been for great men and women of God that struggle with their faith. But they persevere. And that's why John writes in 13, I've written this to you so that you know you have eternal life and that you will continue to believe in the Son of God. So this life is in his Son. You ever notice, like I I felt it this morning, as we worship God, this life came alive in my heart. Worship was like alive in my spirit. I hope it was for you too. But it was alive in my heart and in my spirit. And that's a witness. This life is in the Son. When we're hearing preaching, or personally when I'm preaching, I sense the life of God in me. I hope you sense the life of God in you as we preach the Word of God. As we, as we live, not only that, as we live a holy life, 
As we say no to some things and yes to other things, you have a witness in your heart and your spirit. This is the life that God has created for me. We won't get that if we're not flowing in what it's saying here. We have a witness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all working together. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the church working together. And, and, and we plug into that. We have a witness in our heart. Of course, we're more than overcomers. We're plugged into a tremendous movement of God to save us. Verses 4 and 5, they're not just frivolous little verses. Oh, we have a, we're overcomers because we believe. Well, who do we believe in? We believe in the one that defeated death, that defeated Satan. We believe in the miracle worker, the Son of God, God coming in the flesh. Witnessed by the Father and the Spirit. We have this whole thing going on. We have his church that was birthed at Pentecost with power of the Holy Ghost. 3,000 were saved that day, but the church has been moving ever since. We're in that now? Well, no wonder why we're overcomers. There's a movement going on. And until we get into the movement, church, I'm afraid we're never going to really get the victory or be over the overcomers that God wants us to be. This is all designed for us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you getting it? Do you, do you see this? This is all designed. Like when I first got saved, I mean, I knew I should have gone to church, but I didn't really want to go to church. I figured I'm okay now. I'm with God. My pastor would call me up and say, Rick, you got to get to church. Ah, oh, okay. And I would go. And after a while, I, I began to see the value of going and being involved and being, being engaged in the whole thing. It's like God has, I, I call it Noah's Ark. We get in the boat. And we're floating away. But you got to get in the boat. The boat is the church. And stay protected from all the outside forces. So there's one verse I won't turn to, but it's kind of it's kind of like burning on my heart. Ecclesiastes 3:11 says this. God has set eternity in the human heart. Wow. Well, that explains a lot to me right there. For me, I shared this with you. When my brother was killed in a car accident, I was 16. There was something in my heart that said, there's got to be more. That can't just be, you know, there has to be a reason. There has to be somebody or something bigger or greater than me and my family There has to be more. I didn't know this verse, but God has set eternity in the human heart. You ever notice even pagans have gods? They create them. But there's something in their heart that says there's got to be more than, you know, whatever I'm doing. So they make their own gods. And that's been going on forever because the word of God is so accurately true. There's eternity within each one of us. And I, I, every culture, every generation has this. And that's why this makes the church so, so special. Because we see it. We feel it. We, we know it, actually. We know by the Holy Spirit witness that this isn't all there is. Jesus came. <laughs> it's so perfect. There's the eternities in our heart. And Jesus came to give us eternal life. How perfect is that? We will never get there without Jesus. 
And people will struggle. They'll strive. We probably did it before we surrendered to the Lord ourselves. They would try everything else in the world to find peace or happiness or joy or fulfillment or whatever. But until one comes to that place of surrender to receive eternal life, that will just be burning in their heart. And there'll be a sense of unfulfillment going on. Just want to, I'll end with this little part here. That when God created Adam, he breathed life into Adam. You know, that's why... I'm sure you've noticed that people are different than every other, every other created thing. We think, we feel, we reason, you know, we, you know, we're creative and all those. We're different. We're, we're made in his image. You know, the other animals and things, they, they weren't made in the image of God. We were made in the image of God. We're like, we have like ability. But when God breathed life into Adam, he left a spot, a place in the heart of every human being that will ever be born for himself. And until that is filled with God, with himself, that person will be striving and looking and reaching in all the wrong places. Romans 12, 3, write this down. It says that to each one, God has given a measure of faith. That's always something for me. Because when, when we receive Christ, when I received Christ, obviously I wasn't a believer until I did, but did I have faith? In, I didn't have faith. I was, I was an enemy of the Lord. I was not saved. But there was something in my heart that said, I want God. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like, but there, there's a, there's, everyone has a measure of faith. Then Romans ten seventeen says that, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why when, you know, my friend Lenny told me the word of God and just talked to me about the word, something in my heart said, oh, my, yes, I get it. Eternity was in my heart and, and faith was there, but the word of God activated my faith. So important to live in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, to go into all the world and preach the gospel as someone said, and if necessary, use words. You know, that's something to think about. Live the gospel. Someone needs to know your life, your lifestyle, and your words. But until we get to that place of like, you know, letting God fill the void in us. Paul said, I become all things to all men that if, that, if, uh, that I could win some to Christ. I, I, so I could relate to them and bring them to Christ. John says that if you have this hope in you that Christ came to save you, to deliver you, and Christ is coming back again, if you have that hope in you, you begin to purify your life as he is pure. You live a holy, consecrated life to God. And you live in the confines, these are my words, of John 5, 6 through 13. You live in that environment of the Trinity. You live in that environment of the Holy Spirit and the church working together. You live in that environment where I've got a witness in my heart, you got a witness in your heart, we're in this thing together. We can do this thing. Uh, we're in this environment where God is working. That's why, for instance, that map over there is so important to us. That's why I have it always lit, lit up. That's what it's all about, reaching out to tell people about Jesus. That's not going to happen in the world. It's got to happen through the church. The church has got to be a voice 
to show people the way. I want to, in my Bible, I'm going to close with this. I have what's called a biblical cyclopedic index. <clears throat> it's all the words in the Bible, and it tells you, you know, how, how much, where they're located. And I looked up the word Christ. And uh, you can't see it, but th- this whole column, this whole column, this whole column, and from here down are all different words for Christ, different names. And I want to close with this. John said that the life, the everlasting life, and the life that we have is in his son. That's the only way we're going to have life. So let me read you some words, some names. Other names for Christ. The second Adam, the advocate, the Alpha and the Omega, the Amen, the Ancient of Days, the Angel of His Presence, the Anointed above above His Companions, the Anointed of the Lord, the Apostle of our Confession, the Arm of the Lord, the author and finisher of our faith, the author of eternal salvation, the babe in the manger, the banner to the people, the beginning and the end, the beloved, the beloved of God, the beloved son, the branch, the branch of righteousness, the bread, the bread of life, the bridegroom, the bright morning star, the author of salvation, the carpenter, the carpenter's son, the chief cornerstone, the chief shepherd, the child, the child Jesus, the chosen of God, the Christ, Christ the King, Jesus the Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord, Christ uh, the Christ of God, Christ of God his chosen one, Christ the Lord, Christ uh, the power of God, Christ the Son of the, ble- of the, of the Blessed, the Commander, the uh, Consolation of Israel, the Cornerstone, the Covenant of his people, the day spring, the morning of the, of the deity. Uh, no, the morning sun, the morning star, the deity, the deliverer, the desire of all nations, the diadem, the door, the door of the shepherd, the eternal life, the everlasting father, the faithful and true one, faithful, the faithful witness, the firmly, uh, firmly placed foundation, uh, the firstborn, the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn of the dead, again, uh, the firstborn among many brethren, the first fruits, the first and the last, the forerunner, the uh, foundation laid in Zion. And I could go on and on and tell all the names of the Christ. And because of that, we have life. And if we're not experiencing the life, it's not God's fault. It's all out there for us. We've got to run to the altars. As in the Old Testament, they would run to the horn of the altar and hang on for protection and life and hope. So we're going to have to stop right here because this is basically where I stopped this morning. But I will hopefully come back next week and finish up and get into the four applications I want to get to. Can we stand together? So can I get a witness? See, this is, this is the thing. We can play church. I know most everyone's on Facebook, right? I see a lot of stuff on Facebook. I see a lot of churches. And uh, 
I don't know where everyone's at. I don't know where everyone's at. All I know is if God is real, we change. Lifestyles change. The way we process changes. We become a witness for him. We point people that way. So every head bowed for just a moment. So when we say, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and Master? We're we're saying, are you living in verses 6 through 13? Where you have this witness of the Trinity. You have this witness of the Holy Spirit and the church. You have a witness in your own spirit that you're a child of God. And you know that you know that you know. So I want to I close with, with these questions. Is anyone here unsure of where your eternity will be spent? You've got eternity written in your heart. Jesus came to give you eternal life. Is anyone unsure of where your eternity will be? Do you want to receive Jesus? Then the next question would be, is there anyone here that feels like I'm living beneath where God wants me to be? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not thriving in my faith because of my own hard heart. You have to be brave to say yes to that. I'm going to pray. Father, Lord, thank you for this word today. I pray, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that we would see the value of living in these verses of Scripture. Verses 4 and 5, we're overcomers because we believe in Jesus, the Son of God the one who was obedient, the one who gave his life, the one who bears witness with the Father and the Spirit, etc., etc., etc. Lord, let us get into that realm of understanding that we're not walking through this life alone. We have a great witness in the heaven. We have a great witness on earth. We have a great witness of all the other believers that have gone before us. We have a witness in our own heart that we're a child of God. So, Lord, let us help us to navigate this life on earth knowing all that we know and knowing all the boundaries that you put around us. Let us live in the safeguard of your Holy Spirit that we would make a positive, be a positive influence on many people's lives. Lord, we know we have people in our families that need you. We have people at work that need you. We have people in the market that need you. We pray, Lord, that we would truly be the light of the world and the salt of the earth that you want us to be. So, Lord, as in the day of the first Pentecost, when the church was birthed by your Holy Spirit, Lord God, may there be another work upon this congregation and upon your church in these days that Pentecost would be real, that we would have a witness with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you have given more than we need to be overcomers. So, Lord, help us, fill us with your presence, and let us live a life, Lord, that's really pleasing to you. Lord, help us to be a witness to those in our families that don't know you. Let us have wisdom to know what to say and how to say what we have to say. So we thank you, Lord. We give you our hearts right now. We surrender to your lordship. May your blessing be upon us in a powerful way. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. And everybody said, come on, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Be a witness today. I think Pamela has something.
Parents, we need you to go downstairs to sign your child out. They will not be released to come up here without you. Mm. So kindly do that. When you do, please stay down in the hallway at the table. Do not.